And that is what I needed at that point in my life. So that book came to me uh, at such an appropriate time that I needed to understand what my purpose was. And once I, I, I got an idea what that was, I wanted to be able to help other people uh, to, 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 do, to do something with their life, even if they're going through struggles and it didn't matter what they were. Um, so if I, could, uh, if I could understand that, if I could know that for myself, I want to be able to help other people do the same thing. I'm Jamie Mo Crazy, and you're listening to Life Gets Mo Crazy, where we'll hear from people who either been through a trauma or helped someone else through. Listen and learn strategies you can implement in your life so when a metaphorical avalanche slides you down the mountain of life, you can climb an alternative peak with the best view. Well, after Brian Wagner went blind at the age of 43, he realized he had other blind spots in his life. So he founded Radical Vision, a company that helps individuals understand their visions for everything in life and make those visions come true. So I'm so excited to have Brian with us today and we can talk about how when he encountered the unexpected trauma at 43 years of age, how he used that trauma to climb an alternative peak with amazing views in his life right now. So, Brian, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining. Oh, Jamie, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited. And uh, just before the show started, we were talking about how I know I did my first in-person speech again in August and how exciting that is because, you know, COVID was an unexpected trauma that the world encountered. Yeah, no, I agree. And yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I was uh, fortunate enough to have uh, some speaking engagements as well in August. So uh, that's, uh, that's great. Yeah. And it, it has been interesting over the past few years um, because I've noticed people who have encountered other traumas in their life, we kind of got the backbone. We were like, oh, we know how to deal with unexpected trauma because COVID is. And it did change things we took for granted, which is what trauma does. And so we we're like, okay, well, so we can't do this, but we can do this. So focusing on what we can do. Um, so why don't we go back in time to when you were 43 and let's just explain a little bit to the audience about how you became blind. Yeah. So um, at the age of 43, um, it was uh, it was March 4th of 2011. Um, I had um, I had just come back from a, uh, an all day training session and I got home. I stayed on the couch because um, I knew I wasn't feeling quite right. Um, but I woke up that morning and I couldn't see. And what happened was um, I had what's called a cavernous malformation or a calf mallet for short. Um, this calf mallet had bled and it, it, it's a malformed blood vessel. They can form any, anywhere in your body. Mine just happened to have formed in my brainstem. And when it did, it bled and it bled putting pressure on nerves that blood coagulating, put pressure on the nerves that control my vision. So um, both of my eyelids wouldn't open. 
And then when I did lift my eyelids open with my fingers, um, I had uh, I had double vision. So my eyeballs still don't go together until this day. And my eyelid, actually one eyelid opens now, but uh, the other eyelid still doesn't. So um, coming through that, I realized uh, there was something else for me. I realized that, uh, you know, I had another purpose in life. Um, I, I knew that because uh, I was in IC sales at that point. I've been with companies like IBM and other companies like that um, in, in the uh, IT space. I just realized that there was something else that I had to give uh, in the world. So I pursued that and I've been pursuing that now for over 10 years. Wow. So what do you think it what what was it that made when you encountered that trauma you know if if you were somebody else and that happened to you you might just decide to give up on life so after a metaphorical avalanche slid you down to the bottom of life why did you decide to climb an alternative peak uh i had three small children at the time they were 15 13 and 11 uh, I knew I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna, you know, give up. I wasn't gonna give up on life. I mean, I had. Uh, I have a beautiful wife. I still have a beautiful wife. Uh, we've been married now thirty-one years. Congratulations! Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you. At that time, it was twenty-one, um, but I, I just knew that I. I there was there was no, never uh, never a thought of you know because I went to Phoenix for surgery brain surgery in order to have the, the cavernous malformation taken out. There was never a thought of, you know, I'm not coming back from surgery. I, I knew I was going to come back. So there was never a question or a, a conversation about what happens if dad doesn't make it. Um, so we didn't allow those conversations. So when you slide down to the avalanche slides you down to the bottom of life, you realize that, that that you need to get up and you need to get up and do something with that. And the best way for me to to do that was to be able to embrace my own personal blindness and do something with that in, in life. And that's why I've written a book of, about it. Um, I, I speak about it and uh, I help people to, uh, to do that themselves. Amazing. And one of the things... I've experienced and noticed is when you're at the bottom of that mountain and you're starting to take those steps, as you mentioned, your family, your children, and your, your wife were part of that reason to, to, to make sure that you are definitely coming back. You never had a conversation about the alternative. But love. I've noticed that if you have love at the bottom, you can begin to start to climb a little bit easier. Right, exactly, and yeah, the the love and encouragement that I received from from my family members, from my friends, from uh, yeah, just other people in general, you know, was um, was an outpouring that I, I mean, I I didn't expect, um, but uh, uh, yeah, it definitely got me through. It got me through so much. I mean, the tough times was one thing, but also the um, the times where I I felt as though I knew what I was doing. It still. I still need to have that love. I still need to have that encouragement to to know that I was doing the right things uh, for the right reasons, and that's why I I believe I'm I'm still here today. And so, as you mentioned, there never was a question if you were coming back or climbing, starting to climb. Um, but when you did start to climb the alternative peak, did you know what peak you were going to climb, or did you just start? 
um, putting one foot in front of the other. Let's go. Let's talk a little bit more about that journey. So when you came back after your surgery, um, what were some steps that happened? Yeah. So um, when I came back from surgery, I was still um, on medication at that point. Um, and medication, it really, it was more from a uh, uh, just a, um, I wouldn't say medication because they really only gave me a, a little bottle of extra tank Tylenol, but they did give me um, some painkillers initially um, that, that really sent me down a, a real um, a, a bad uh, experience. So not that I, I didn't become addicted to them or anything like that, but um, really was bad for, for me. But where I where I started with the, the climb was when I became to I reached out to uh, friends. Actually, my friends reached out to me, and they took me out for for lunch. They took me out for breakfast. They had conversations with me, and then they introduced me to uh, they introduced me to a guy who is an author and who lives in our town, and he wrote a book. And the book is called The Deeper Path, and The Deeper Path is a book that really helps you understand your purpose. And that is what I needed at that point in my life. So that book came to me uh, at such an appropriate time that I needed to understand what my purpose was. And once I, I, I got an idea of what that was, I wanted to be able to help other people uh, to, 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 do, to do something with their life, even if they're going through struggles and it didn't matter what they were. Um, so if I, could, if I could understand that, if I could know that for myself, I want to be able to help other people do the same thing. Um, so that's where I, I, I didn't start off knowing I wanted to be a speaker. But through that 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 deeper path, that there was a cohort that we went through, a class, um, uh, several, I think it was 10 weeks, um, where we understood that um, that we needed to to, uh, to get to that point of, uh, of understanding our purpose. And then we could be able to, to really hone in on those uh, those uh, thirty things that you believe in. Those those thirty things you're going to do something with what you believe in, and that's where I, I got more um, more of an idea that I wanted to be a speaker. And so when I had I, I had knee surgery um, years before my traumatic brain injury, and when I had my first knee surgery, I was 18 years old. And I had ACL surgery and they gave me pain meds. Um, and I had it for a couple days. And then I was like telling my mom about how like last night I felt like I was flying and I had like the best dream. And she took away my pain meds. She's like, okay, if you had a dream that you were flying, these are gone. <laughs> these are all done. So I had pain meds for about two days, I think. Um, but that's one of the scary things is with pain meds. Um, sometimes you're in so much pain that they are helpful, but then very, very quickly they go from being helpful to hurtful when you just in one day go <laughs> get get to the next next level. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, from my perspective, they, they made me nauseous. Um, so I, I didn't realize that I wasn't supposed to move around much. I think it was Percocet that I had taken, and uh, it, it got me to a point where I was very, very ill. And it was probably a week that I went through that illness uh, until we realized, hey, you know, we probably shouldn't be moving around much with these uh, these medications because I am 
susceptible to that. So, ah, well, in your case, then it probably wasn't as fun as having a floating dream. But no, <laughs> not fun at all. My mom didn't want me to get anywhere close to becoming addicted to it. So as soon as I had a floating dream, they were gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So you started writing the book and you started going. So as as your uh, career in speaking has developed, what does it look like now? Oh, it's totally changed. Um, what it, what it looks like now? I mean, with COVID, or do you mean with uh, with you know uh, the what I speak about, or uh, what do you mean? That is, that is a great question. Um, so I meant um, as it started developing. I guess you're right. Like it has everything has changed with COVID. Um, mm-hmm. But what did your career look like before before COVID? Um, and then how does it look like now? Because you mentioned that you did some speaking in August and things like that. So if, so do you, how do you help people now? So before and after COVID. So uh, before and after COVID, I uh, started to work at the Ohio School for the Blind. Um, So I've worked there for the last four years. And that uh, work that I've done um, has been instrumental in, in just, Helping a lot of people, I think, but more, it really helped me. Um, I didn't realize that, uh, that I needed it at the time, but that, um, that position came to me, um, uh, and I, I didn't want it at first, but then once I accepted it, I realized what a difference I could make. But then uh, what I didn't realize, and, and this came to me, is what a difference it made to me, what a difference it made in my life uh, as a person. So, you know, I work now with, I think there's 60% of the, the students there have um, issues, not not just um, visual impairments, but also other issues. I mean, they have, uh, you know, multiple sclerosis or uh, muscular dystrophy or, you know, cerebral palsy. They have autism. I mean, there are, there are a wide, wide array of issues that, uh, that we encounter there. So that being with the students has allowed me to grow so much more than I've ever gone before. And uh, I can't tell you how much of a difference that that has made. So you, you asked about my speaking, well, my business. So I, in, in, business, in business, I do run that through a radical vision, the company that I have. <clears throat> so that's uh, the work that I do at school is through a radical vision, but also the stories that I get from the school for the blind go into you know, this, the speaking career and, you know, the speaking career, what I'm doing with that goes into this, the work I do with the school for the blind. So it's, it's a really a, a, um, a intentional congruence, a personal intentional congruence and being able to do that, being able to, to wake up every day and knowing what I have and knowing what I, I can do with it, whether it's, whether it's working at the school or whether it's, you know, giving speeches, I know that it all comes from the same place. So that's another, there actually I do a live stream and the live stream is, um, well, I do two of them. One of them is the uh, vision alignment show. And on the vision alignment show, we talk about the importance of having your core beliefs and your core values and strengths aligned with your vision. So you know, that show is, would be perfect for you to come on. Hopefully you'll come on someday and be interviewed by me. But 
that show tells you a little bit more about that existential congruence that I do with the School for the Vine as well as the speaking career. So back to what your first question was in terms of the speaking career, yeah, it's changed a lot with, uh, with doing things virtually or being in person, um, but the, what I talk on has changed a little bit too. I now take what I've learned at the School for the Vine and I talk about the importance of understanding how to encourage, accept, and lead others that are different from you. As soon as you said how to lead people who are different from you, I just thought that was so cool because I um, actually am a marketing board member at the National Ability Center, which mm-hmm. is a center that deals with cognitive and physical changes in ability based out of Park City. And it's just so cool. Like they have a high ropes course that people in a wheelchair can go on. Um, and I just love the idea of leading people who are different and staying in touch. And I also thought it was really cool how you mentioned that basically you built this career a big portion of the career from volunteering and and getting into a give back and you learned how much it affected you. And that's something that I was actually mentoring. I had a mentee at the school that I went to, which I graduated from. And I learned so much from mentoring her, like as much as you give out to people you receive back, which is something I feel in general, like volunteering and situations like that and giving back um, gives you opportunities in the realm of what you're most passionate about. And I just, for everybody, I think that if they do more give back, um, it will help them feel more satisfied in what they are living. Yeah, when you give back, you you get more in return than you ever could have imagined. So it's a hard thing sometimes to do, but it's it's it really it, 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 there's that law of uh, reciprocity. Yeah, and I I definitely believe the more you give back, and even if you think you don't have something to give, most people have a skill that they can deliver, or or something about them is unique and different, and it can help other people. You never know what your story or your journey or your struggles, who they will help and how they will help those people. Right. I agree. I agree. So do you have, as we're going along, um, you mentioned your book at the beginning. Do you yeah. have any more ideas of um, any <laughs> anything in the future, any futuristic plans? Yeah, so I, I'm I'm working on the next book. I'm working. On, I I want to have my next book done sometime sometime soon. And and the book is uh, has to do with more with my keynote. It has the same name as my keynote, anyways. And the keynote is uh, if you could see what I see, and that's uh, really a part of uh, leading and encouraging and, and approaching others that are different, different from you. So that is um, a big thing that I have in the future. And, um, you know, I continue to do the, um, the speaking. I have a, I have a speaking engagement in, in October and I have a couple in November. So I'll continue to do that. That's exciting. And hopefully we'll just hope that they all keep going. I actually just had one in November that got canceled. Um, um 
which was challenging. They 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 actually um, had paid for it up front, so they have a year to book me. But mm-hmm. just the point is that with the Delta variant and COVID, hopefully we just keep moving forward, not having too many relapses <laughs> right. in recovery. But that sounds really exciting. And as you mentioned, I would love to be on your show so we can talk about that in the future as well. And I would love to read your book about... Oh. If you see what I see, well, if you would send me your email, send me your uh, your address, and I will uh, I will send you a book. Awesome. Um, well, thank you so much for joining today. It's been so much fun to talk. <laughs> thank you, Jamie. Thank you. Do you have any last words for the audience where if you're encountering an unexpected trauma, anything you've learned, pieces of advice on how to climb an alternative peak, how to, when you have your vision, how to reach that vision? Yeah, I would say uh, keep learning. Um, keep, keep reading. If you can read, if you can't read, listen. If you can't listen, read. If you can't read and listen, you know, do something in order to 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 be around people that can help you. Um, being around a community of people it makes the most difference in the world. If you can't be there physically in person, then be there virtually. Um, just do everything you can to to continue to grow. Because if you're not growing, you're dying, and we don't want that. That sounds amazing. And that reminds me of when I was a little girl and my great-grandmother, she lived to be 96. And when she was about 95 and she was telling me how she takes the dictionary and she finds a word that she doesn't know and she learns it because she believed that whenever you keep learning, that's when you keep growing. And she's just going to learn until the day she dies. And she actually passed away um, watching TV. So she was still lived at her house. She did have help there. Um, but she was learning things and living at her house and um, dozed off watching TV and didn't wake up, which I think is a pretty darn good way to go. <laughs> wow. Well, good for her. I'm sorry yeah. to hear about your loss. Yeah, but it just it really it really shows that this was a this was a while ago and she lived a full life. Um, but it really, really shows that you just keep learning. And that's a huge thing. No matter what age you are, there's opportunity to keep learning and growing for your whole life. I agree. I agree. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining and have a great day. All right. Take care, Jamie.